Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. This week, we're taking a deeper dive into Jesus' entry into Jerusalem in Matthew 21, since this past Sunday was Palm Sunday on the church calendar. Pastor Dina, what were the main things that you heard in this week's message? Um, a lot. <laughs> also, as we were talking with our Sunday school class, in some ways, this is a really hard passage to learn from because it is so familiar and it's like our eyes glaze over the minute we see the words like oh yeah I know where this is going okay I got I got this Jesus comes into Jerusalem Hosanna yay okay um but as with all the scripture there's so much more there and the one phrase that kept coming out in the sermon was that Jesus demonstrates a new way to live and sometimes it's hard to Imagine how significant that walk into Jerusalem was. For sure. That how life changing, how how much was bound up in in just that short little walk. Yeah, the familiarity of the the passage causes us not to think about kind of the putting ourselves into that situation where that you know you've cut throngs of people yelling and cheering and um you know it it would it would be impressive yeah and we've I've done a lot of thinking about the crowd especially being a student of sociology and having been in crowds and watched crowds and you can imagine the way that things take on a life of their own and that that joy that Hosanna can can take over but at the same time I wonder what were the people thinking? You know, some didn't even recognize who Jesus was, were they? But they were still there cheering and, and looking and, and taking it all in. Um, so it's pretty, I think it's really interesting to imagine what must have been going on in the hearts and minds of the people that day. Because I'm sure that there were some people that were just saying, hey, a parade, cool, let's go, see, let's go check it out. And then there were some that, that even if they couldn't articulate how, knew that this was a life-changing moment in history that was going to start something completely new and different and um, something that, that they hadn't, couldn't ever even plan for or think. You're really getting right into one of the things that, that truly got cut from this week's sermon um, thinking about just the wider, uh, uh, wide array of understandings of what Messiah was in Jesus's day, there wasn't a monolithic kind of idea of what the Messiah was. You know, when we think Messiah, when we think Christ, we have an image of Jesus because that's yeah. we we yeah. yeah we have someone to crystallize that idea for us. But when they were waiting, they were waiting for someone they didn't know who he would look like or what this person would do or whatnot. And so within that crowd are a whole wide array of things. Um, there are going to be political expectations. The zealots were a group that were active during that time. The zealots very much wanted to see an overthrow of Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, you had um, you had uh, people who wanted religious reform. The Pharisees were one of those groups that, that really wanted to bring holiness br- back. And so they didn't always actually work hand in hand with the, the, the Sadducees um, because the Sadducees had economic and political influence that was pulling on them. 
And so there was a whole wide array of thought in that crowd, even as they're all cheering, they're all yelling this Hosanna. There's a pretty wide array of. I wonder if in some ways that's not unlike how people approach the church today and some want the church to just fix it already and, you know, make, make everything okay. And some want, we, we still, I think, even though we have a picture of who Jesus is and what it means to be a Christian, it's still so varied in how that gets applied and, and what we expect from this, this Christian relationship. Because we're still waiting for the coming kingdom but yes. in full. We have these foretastes of what it is, and you know we've gone through those parables. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is mm-hmm. like, uh, but there's no definitive picture throughout all that. So, you know, this crowd is just, it, it's going to town, but I, I agree with you in that all of us bring our expectations then to the church mm-hmm. as well and bring our expectations to Jesus that, okay, Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, then you're going to fix this in my life. Yeah, and that kind of leads me into one of, I guess it's an application. Um, I was thinking about how how Jesus came into the city, and he didn't come in like a war hero the way they thought, and he didn't come in like the Son of God that he is, that he came in peacefully he came in on a symbol of humility a symbol of peace and how how hard that is for us to reckon with because we like power we like especially when we're in a place where we're struggling or a place where there's ambiguity like we want we want absolute power to come in and fix it and and we like that sense of power we like that sense of status um, and, and you're that, not talking necessarily about about like worldly like uh, political power, no. But power within our lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, we want we want something definitive and clear and strong to happen. And so to see a, an image of humility throws us. It's not what we would necessarily have expected and that's not what they what the the first century um israelites didn't expect that either even if something in them recognized what was going on here sure that that gets into some interesting questions we can talk about here um you know we both have uh, our own families and we both have a concern for families and kids and you know when i look at this and see jesus riding in on a donkey and this symbol of peace, this symbol of, of, um, you know, lowliness and so on, you know, the, the tension then exists. How do I teach kids to one, know who they are in a very strong, have a good, strong self identity, but then not actually become a doormat as well. And, you know, there's that kind of, there's a tension in that. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, it's super hard. I know last week I wasn't here because I was on the tween retreat with a bunch of third through seventh graders, 95 of them. And it was so interesting. (laughs) We prayed for you, by the way. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. I needed it. And it was wonderful. It truly was. It was, I halfway through, I said, Oh yeah, I forgot. I really liked this part of ministry. Um, (laughs) 
not so much at three in the morning when I wasn't sleeping, but that's a different story. But to, to kind of find that balance between who you are and your natural abilities and barriers, but also living together as a group and opera operating in a group and, and claiming your faith as an individual, but also as a part of community. And it, it's a whole, and it's a whole lot of tension of trying to raise kids who are resilient in their social interactions and in their, their mental capacity and in their faith that, that we don't want to present a prosperity gospel that then the first time a prayer doesn't get answered the way we think it should or bad things happen, that it shakes us to our core. And, and I've seen that happen. You know, you can present this idea of, with the best of intentions of a good and faithful God, and yet where is that good God when there's violence in schools and where when there's bullying that isn't, resolved um and and to try and reflect that that good and faithful part of god doesn't always look like what we expect and how to balance all that how to hold on to your faith in the midst of of that and and maybe some of it looks like looks like disappointment and looks like letting kids go through hard things which as a parent is super hard to do because at least my first instinct when my kids are upset um, is to fix it and to make it better. You, know, you broke your toy, I'll get you a new one. You dropped your ice cream cone, let's go back. Um, you, got, you were disappointed that you didn't have time to ride this ride, ride this thing at the park. We'll come back another day and then you'll get a chance. It's, it's such an inclination to say, no, don't feel disappointed. It's okay, we'll fix it. That that I constantly have to struggle against that as a mom to say, yeah, sometimes we do feel disappointed. Sometimes it's hard to see where God is in the midst of it, even if we know that God is with us, but oh. it's hard. Wow. So a lot in there to unpack, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um, uh, because you know, there are a few things that, that are, are going on in that, especially with reference to, to Jesus's entry, because the crowds, uh, as we mentioned, are they, they do not have the same mindset as Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, he is in one spot and they are just all over the map around him, but they're, they're shouting his, his accolades here, um, expecting something out of him. Um, and so, you know, when we think about living in a way that Jesus does and teaching even ourselves, um, you know, Jesus brought a lot into this situation. He, he brings a whole relationship mm -hmm. and, and I, it would seem to me that that really plays into his ability to get through this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he's looking around going, if you only knew, you know, if you only knew how things are going to change in the next three days, would you still be screaming my name? Would you still be cheering me on? And that I I can only imagine that that had to have been an incredibly hard walk for him from a human perspective to know what he was walking into, to know that the crowds were going to raise him up and then quickly turn. 
I can't imagine the struggle that that must have have been all leading up to the struggle of the cross that we do see spelled out later. Um, Beginning yeah. even in the garden. Yeah. Because if he had pinned his identity to these crowds, mm-hmm. um, and, and we say that, and it sounds very, very like, well, of course you don't want to pin your identity to the crowds. But we do that. Oh, all the time. Uh, yeah. So if he had pinned his identity to the crowds, this would be a much different story. And and I think the garden would be an, an even bigger, it would almost be a travesty. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And so maybe to go back to your first question, how do we help kids to relate to this? You know, we remind them that, not we remind them that their value doesn't come from what other people think of them and whether other people or cheer are cheering them on or booing them. Th- and those are very real things to deal with, but you know, cause we don't want to go the other way and say nothing. Anybody else thinks matters ever. Right. But, but to remind them that their, their worth comes from the fact that they're a beloved child of God, that, that just like Jesus is, Minus the divine part, of course, but <laughs> but they are a beloved child of God, and that is where their worth comes from. That's where their their calling comes from. And it doesn't matter if other people see it or don't. And chances are, it's going to go back and forth their whole life. Um, yeah. But if if you can be secure in that you are beloved by God, and nothing will ever separate you from that love. That's, I think, a first step. I know at the retreat we talked about, because it was geared towards younger kids, we talked about when you feel like a mess, and there's no part of your mess that Jesus isn't willing to be a part of, and there's nothing that that can keep you from that love. The, even the messiest parts, the, the, the yuckiest, the smelliest, nothing is going to keep you from that love that that Jesus came into the mess to be with us in the midst of that. So the the kids version, the kids the 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 kids language of of kind of Romans eight twenty eight ish, yeah, thirty six whatever it is right in there. Um, and I have to think that that Jesus in these moments, you you know, you've been wondering about what Jesus was feeling, and and I have to think that somewhere in the back of his mind, he has to be going back to his baptism. Mm-hmm. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased, mm-hmm. um, because otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, how would you do it? How would you physically and mentally have the strength to to do what was being asked of Jesus in those moments, in the for the, from the human perspective? So the so the insight to to the Christian life is part of that is we've got to develop this this godly identity we've we've talked a lot of weeks and I'm pointing to a whiteboard that no longer has what we've been talking <laughs> about but I just you know I can see it written there but you know that that idea of acceptance do we really understand that God has accepted us Jesus had to have understood that even as he was saying oh, if you only knew yeah um, he he must have had a good sense of the father's love and that he was in the father and the father was in him in order to actually make that so he could obey because he knew he was mm-hmm. accepted. Yeah. Yeah. That had by, I mean, by nature that was, had to be so bound up into who 
he was as as fully human and fully God as the son of God and as very God that had to be so integral. And again, I think as we think about examples, that reminds us that that has to be integral to us too. And of course, it's going to take a lot more work for us to remember that over and over again, constantly. And, and hopefully, again, thinking about young people, but also grownups too, hopefully we're surrounding ourselves with people who will remind us of that, who, who also won't get swayed by the crowd and their opinion of us, but will continually call us to remember that we're children of God even when when we can't remember it for ourselves. Interestingly, um, so I was listening to K-Love in, on the way into the uh, office this morning. Um, I, go, I go between K-Love and listening to podcasts and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And um, on K-Love, they, they had just done a March Madness of songs <laughs> um, where they had people call in and songs. Uh, the song that won was Lauren Daigle's You Say. Hmm. Which goes right into what we're talking about here. And... and you know, identity formation is one of those things. We've been so concerned about passing on the knowledge of the faith. And, and like, even me, I'm I'm much more of an academic than I am, like, by by heart, by just by nature. I tend to be more head knowledge. and But identity work is really heart work that, um, and I said heart, H-E-A-R-T. I realize that even with a good mic, that can come <laughs> over, uh, that, that might not come through clearly but it's heart work that that requires us to understand at a, at a core level what Jesus is understanding there to allow us to go through the sufferings of yeah. of life and that's uh, we had both mentioned at one point that this this really goes into Philippians 2 yeah and and that idea that we may not always want just like just like the first century Israelites we may not always want images of peace and humility you know like I was saying sometimes we want that power we want that that definitive action um we, we want the person on the war horse who can just clean the situation up yeah and so I think reminding ourselves that there is such a tension between what we want and who Jesus calls us to be and who Jesus is is a good first step that that idea that um, that things don't always look the way we want. And, and maybe even the things that we want aren't going to bring peace the way we think they would. Even thinking of the first century, even if Jesus had come in and conquered the Romans and put them in their place, then another group would have just risen up. And, hmm. you know, and that's what we saw throughout all of history, that, that the things we want, the things we think are the answer aren't going to bring peace in the way that in the way that Jesus going to the cross brought peace brought a final peace I hear um I've heard a number of times I I served on the committee on ministry which dealt with uh in the in the Presbyterian world the, the committee on ministry is a regional uh committee that deals with churches and pastors and, and generally not in good situations if if things are going well you generally don't hear from the committee on ministry but i served on this committee and um as i went around to different churches uh and and i specialized in transitions the number of people who longed for days past 
mm-hmm. um, when the churches were larger, where the churches were more full, um, and just want something that can bring us back to that. And yet, to 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 what point? You know, it, it, it's it, if if Jesus could have promised you know a fuller church, you know we'd be the ones shouting Hosanna. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's very antithetical to this Philippians two. I have it open here where it talks about Jesus who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Uh, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Yeah. There's nothing about that that we really like. <laughs> because those are super hard things to do we talked in sunday school class because that that even so often our acts of humility are really humble brags like oh here you go first because you know you're you know you you take the best piece of cake i'll i'll be glad to give myself up to you but it's still this sense of show of of making ourselves feel good because look of how at how hum- humble i am yeah this humble brag of of i'm i'm the best by making myself the worst you know we're we're really good at twisting all the things around yes um yeah and and that's a point you know we we don't want to i mean when when we look at this as the value of jesus not considering equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage, uh, making himself a servant, um, uh, humbling himself, being obedient to death. I mean, those are things that, you know, we, we talk a lot about. It, it, we talk a lot about kids to, uh, to kids about be strong, be, you mm-hmm. know, be your own person, make your own decisions. And, and, and to a, an extent that's true, but when, um, when we then go looking for affirmation, it's either in something that I've tried to construct for myself or it's something that that I'm trying to do or it's my job or it's my friends or it's my pocketbook or mm-hmm. it's my whatever, it, my car or whatever it is. And those things are, you know, uh, um, you know, a new car gets to be an old car at some point. Yeah. Um, Real fast if you have kids. <laughs> yeah, it, and uh, the reality is, money isn't stretching as far as it used to, and and um, and and everyone is so anxious. It's hard to get a clear affirmation out of anyone on even simple things. Yeah, and and we're not good. You know, we we talked earlier about sitting in disappointment, sitting in in grief, in questions. We're not good at that. Like the Israelites, like we we want a clear direction, clear. We want to be making forward progress, and and I think that's part of this humility is realizing that that things things don't always make sense. That idea of of giving up in that same way that Jesus gave up divinity not divinity but that he gave up that he emptied himself of of all that all the privilege of being god that sometimes we're called that we are often all the time 
called to empty ourselves of any any idea that we know how things should go or that um that we have the right way forward and and to just sit in the uncomfortable places recognizing that there's nothing we can do to to make it better we can't just get a new toy or get a new ice cream cone or stay 20 minutes longer at the park I mean that nothing can fix these these deep things other than a reliance on who God is and the idea that God doesn't leave us even in in the mess or in the midst of the celebration as it is here mm-hmm. in in the triumphal entry because Jesus is enthroned by that I mean you know the number of times we hear about athletes who make it big and then blow up their banks and and make really horrendous choices um, because of this newfound identity um, and so really coming back to that core of are we hearing the father's words this is my son or daughter whom I love with you I'm well pleased and is that enough and if not why not yeah it's interesting we were in Nashville last week so of course Elvis stuff everywhere and so we watched <laughs> the Elvis movie my husband and I last night and and in the end Elvis is talking with someone and he said did did anything I do even matter did anything I do make a difference and of course mm. from 2023 we we say what are you talking about like this was the one of the single most influential <laughs> voices on the whole music revolutionized yeah. music like. um industry and sound but it was it was strange to me to watch him grapple in that moment because because even the even success by all the world's standards wasn't enough wow to to for that assurance of of something outside of yourself of something more eternal of something more sure um, it was a strange movie in a lot of ways but but good that moment was mm. pretty profound to hear Elvis Presley say did anything I did even matter? Wow. My goodness. Wow. We, we've kind of bantered right around. We, we do have a, an outline in front of us, and we've just, you know, ran a NASCAR right through the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, were there other things that you picked up from the sermon that you, that you want to highlight as, you know, we— you know Jesus being this new uh, this true king who who gives us a new understanding of power were there any other other ideas that that um that stuck out I think you know, as we look at applications like I said you know that giving up of of power and what we want in the way that Jesus did I think is really important and then also just the willingness to walk hard roads to to follow in Jesus's footsteps in in going through things that that are uncomfortable that are hard that may not feel good and again as we said you know the the courage and the strength to do that comes from the knowledge that we are God's beloved children and and God is pleased with us and God is with us in the midst of that and that I mean that is an encouragement in the world of today where where things are just hard in a lot of different places as we as I said as we witness school violence as we wonder how in the world how to raise kids 
today with all of the 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 things that they struggle with which are so different in so many ways than than what what we ever had to deal with what reminds you, like on a, on a daily basis, what reminds you of that message of, of God's acceptance and care for you? I think a sense of assurance in my call as a child of God and, and then, you know, my call to, to ministry, which for me looks like work in a church, but, but I think applies to everyone's life. You know, your call to be a student or a teacher or, um, or a, a business person, you know, just assurance that that the Holy Spirit is working in your life and calling you to places and and kind of cultivating a sense of obedience and and awareness, maybe not obedience even, but awareness of that. And again, going back to to the retreat, that even when I make a mess of it, that's not enough for God to just throw up hands and say, oh, forget it. I'm, you know, we're going to start over somewhere else because this isn't working. <laughs> um, thank goodness. <coughs> and, and some days it, it's more close at heart and at mind than others. You know, some mm. days it's, it's a little harder to, to remember that when, when you are in the middle of the mess and you think I have, I have just completely messed this up more than I ever thought possible or am, you know, am I, ruining my kids have I done a good job at at revealing Christ's love to others I don't know you know um, so there are there are days where it's easier to remember my call than others how about for you um I tend to be uh, you know I said I tend to be more academic and uh, one of the things that I've had to work on over the years is um my devotional time not being as academic and I find that um in journaling and really slowing down in the scripture. Um, right now I'm in Philippians, um, which is, uh, I just finished, uh, Ephesians and, uh, I'm in Philippians and, and Paul's encouragement and hearing the way that he talks about Christ in operation in the Philippians, even though he's not even there. Mm. Um, you know, I get encouragement from those messages in the scripture of God's care and compassion, acknowledging um acknowledging the 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 limitness the 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 limitedness the finiteness of humanity Mm -hmm. and i can really identify with that in the scriptures and so when i see those reminders in scripture um it reminds me that okay um this is something that i can do um because coming coming in as a as a pastor you know as a solo pastor especially seven and a half years you walk into the office and you say can I do this? Yeah. Like it's hard when you don't have a colleague with you there that where you're like, Oh, there are other people who do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and, it, and so it, it, it can feel very lonely. And so, uh, you know, that has been, uh, it was really in the pandemic that I developed a lot more depth in journaling, um, mm-hmm. and finding those things and turning those things over to God and, and realizing that, um, he is far and above anything that I could ever ask or imagine as, mm-hmm. as scripture would put it. So, um, and that gets hard when, when life gets busy. Yeah. It's very easy to jettison that. Um, and yet Jesus makes it a point and I have to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it gets hard when, 
when the worries creep in, am I doing enough? Am I doing a good job? Am I, um, are, you know, can I protect the people I love, the church I love from all these terrible things that could possibly happen? And so I, I go to the, the verse that says, you know, whatever is, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is righteous, think about these things. And that, to me, that's what helps me to, to bring me back to, I'm a beloved child of God. God is with me no matter what. Nothing is going to change that. Even the worst things I can imagine aren't going to change God's presence with me and the way God will sustain me, even if it's worse than I can ever imagine. Yeah. So. Hmm. It's a, it's a, faith is a difficult journey. It's not mm-hmm. a, and it's, it becomes very easy to see why the crowds flipped on Jesus then so mm-hmm. quickly, because if the expectation is Jesus is going to save in the way that I expect and the way that I want, first of all, that's a very limited view of the world. But second of all, it's going to cause me to turn on him very quickly because he's not going to act mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in which, my self-interest. Yeah. Which is, is part of why we push back so much against things like the prosperity gospel that, that say, you know, if you just believe enough and are faithful enough and give enough money and are, and are humble enough. And, and if you do all these things, then, then God will answer your prayers. But that's the first time that those prayers aren't answered the way we think they should. The way the first time healing doesn't come the way we think it should or the job doesn't come through or um, any of those things, it can, it can rock us. It can, it can really cause us to question everything. Was I not faithful enough? Was I not, did I not pray hard enough? What if Mm. I had, you know, prayed extra yesterday? Would the healing have come then? What if I'd called my friends to pray? Yeah. Um, And, and, to me, we've been talking about works righteousness. It it does turn into a works righteousness kind of attitude. Like, well, if I can get a hundred people to pray for my friend, then then certainly God will have to listen then because we'll be working hard enough at it. If I can if I can go to church enough times, certainly God will notice that and and reward us because we've done the work. So it's hard to rest in in just being a child of God and letting that be enough because our, our inclination is to, is to work hard is to, I mean, we can even take passages like Philippians too. like, fine. If, if Paul says to be humble, then I'm going to be the humblest person you ever saw. And I'm going to work hard at it. And I'm going to be just as, as much like Jesus as I possibly can in an effort to, to win the yeah. love that's already been promised to us. Yeah, I was going to say the end of that sentence is so that mm-hmm. God will love me. Yeah, and, and that's not the that that's getting that that relationship between works and obedience, yeah. or excuse me, not works and obedience, uh, between acceptance and obedience um, reversed. Yeah, and that really is at the root of so many of the dysfunctions of the Christian church, the Christian life that idea that we have to be good enough and believe the right things and and be devoted enough and have the right actions so that God will love us even even as we're actively saying the exact opposite. You're right, right. But it's you can tell by 
by the actions and by the expectations w- within churches at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that's, you know, we're not saying that that's prevalent here, no. but it's prevalent throughout the church and non-believers notice because yeah. the number of non-believers who would say, oh, I can't go into a church because. Yeah. Um, so. Or the flip side of that is I'm, I'm not going because they're hypocrites because right. they're, you know, their actions don't match up with, with their beliefs. Correct. Kind of thing. Yep. Um, uh, thinking back on Jesus's entry here, I wanted to mention there were a couple things that I, I cut out of the sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, just a limited amount of time, but, um, it, you asked me because I have on my paper here, Jesus' knowledge of the donkeys. There's this, <laughs> there's this kind of academic discussion around, uh, whether Jesus knew about the donkey, uh, because he tells his disciples, go, you're going to go inside the gate. There are going to be these two donkeys, um, uh, tied up just take them and if if someone stops you which they probably will just say that the lord needs them and and so there's this discussion like did jesus foreknow this like is this a part of his divine omniscience or did like he prearrange something with someone or you know and um so personally uh, on this one it it wasn't helpful to add it into the sermon. It wasn't going to add a lot. Um, but a couple comments that I could make on it. One is just so you know where I am. I, I think that he probably did prearrange it. I think there are things that Jesus did that just aren't recorded in scripture. Mm-hmm. And that's not to extrapolate a whole lot on what he did, but simply that he could have arranged this. Um, he had friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and, and even if he did prearrange this, that doesn't take away from his divinity. Yeah. We don't need his divinity to be in operation at that moment to, to claim that he's divine. He's shown that over and over and over again. Um, and to, to if we get a little bit scared that that makes him a little less divine, um, then we're a little bit, I would say we're a little bit like the Pharisees when they're like, hey, could you show us a sign? And Jesus yeah. is like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Have you been watching? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so just, uh, you know, that got cut. Um and the fact that towards the end there, when the crowds respond, you know, Jerusalem's in a tizzy, you know, who is this guy coming in? And uh, the the Galilean crowds are, yeah, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet from Galilee. You know, uh, they're just excited about the hometown boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they call him a prophet. And that's great that they, he can, they can recognize him as such, but they kind of betray that they don't get the full picture there. Yeah. They're excited about this prophet. And that's exciting. First time in 400 years that they feel that they have a, a real prophet. He's from this backwater area. Um, and so kind of, like I said, hometown pride. Um, but they still don't fully get it. And it's a reminder of how quickly we can be excited about something that we don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. And not that we fully understand the Christian life, but um, that we want to make sure that our our thoughts are in the in the right spot and we're anchoring to the right things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And again, they I think they expected they expected to be things to be done in a way that they recognized. I'm sure no one in that crowd would have bet money that it was going to end with a cross in just a few short days. Yeah, you know they they would have bet much more on on fire and brimstone and power and prophecy and and vindication and not what 
what appeared on Friday to be defeat. Yeah. Um, freedom from oppression that they felt very, very presently. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, the the um, Roman troops would have been stationed inside the city mm-hmm. um, to make sure that crowds were under control. Yeah. So, but yeah, they just they just didn't quite. They're so close and yet tragically so far away. Yeah. Um, and and their expectations are really the thing that are separating them from actually seeing who Jesus is. Yeah. Um, those were kind of the things that I cut. We, we talked about some key ideas here. Were there any further ideas or confusions or applications that you had on your radar there? I don't think so. I think we hit all of them. Other than just an encouragement that that even passages that are familiar, even that that in some ways just seem to move the narrative along. There's so much depth there Mm. to your point that it's really helpful sometimes to slow down and to think and to sit and to imagine what it must have felt like to be in the crowd or what it must have felt like to be Jesus or what it must have felt like to be the Pharisees watching all this go down and think this guy's trouble. Like something we got to do something. Yeah. Um, To me, there's tremendous power in, in that kind of imagining what what it must have felt like and been like to be there not knowing the end of the story too so often we want to jump right to resurrection we want to jump right to the happy ending Um, which i think is why palm sunday has such an attraction with the hosannas and so like yes we can celebrate jesus because we know he wins in the end but to be in the midst of of that to to ride the very real roller coaster of ups and downs is much more like our our daily lives of faith then yeah then hosanna victory resurrection you know growing up i don't think i ever would have characterized jesus in this story as lonely mm. but the more i read it the more i think wow he must have felt so isolated yeah yeah Well, <laughs> on that happy note, <laughs> on that happy note, it is Holy Week, though. We do have to get through uh, Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, and uh, we have to go through the the betrayal and the cross and the and um, and the tomb. So, you know, um, but to that point that, you know, not all not everything is is roses. Yeah. Um, and the pain of the cross is very real and the pain of 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 the tomb is very real. Yeah. And I think that's what gives us the courage to remember that God is with us even when our pain is very real. We have we have these examples of the way that God was still present and active even in the very worst things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that should do it for us for this week. Uh, I want to ask you that if you found this episode helpful, would you leave a rating or review and share it uh, so that others can discover it more easily? Also, don't forget to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. We hope that you do uh, share it. We really appreciate it. And until next time, we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekend or to the weekday. (laughs) We'll see you next time. All right.